king is coming. Do you believe it? Yeah. <laughs> well, has God spoken to you already this morning? Yeah. Wow. Oh, okay. I had more response at the first service than there. <laughs> we should come, shouldn't we, prepared to receive and give out right from the minute we walk in this place. So uh, the worship has been brilliant this morning. It's so good to connect with awesome songs. Yay. <laughs> So since January, we've been encouraged, haven't we, to encounter Jesus. So let's start in prayer as we come afresh today to look at how we can encounter Jesus. We love you, Lord. We thank you for bringing each one of us here this morning. There's a purpose that we are here. You've got something to say to us, to encourage us, to teach us, to to bring us to... We we ask, Father, that each one of us will encounter you afresh in Jesus' name. Amen. So, yeah, we we want to encounter Jesus. And we've looked at doing that by using the original healing fundamental truth, the four-square gospel. Jesus is our saviour, is our healer, is the baptiser in the coming in the Holy Spirit, and he's the coming king. And before those four aspects, we were encouraged to encounter Jesus by refreshing our focus, becoming more aware of him, coming to him and knowing him anew in our each and every day. You know, in life coaching, there's the understanding that you go towards what you focus on. So it makes sense, doesn't it, that if we focus on Jesus then we'll encounter him because he doesn't let us down. Then we looked at the first of the gospel truths. Jesus is our saviour. And what a wonderful way of encountering him through acknowledging again his salvation. What that means for us personally. And receiving that if we haven't already done that. After that, we looked at the fact that Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And we were encouraged to seek the filling of the Holy Spirit, to know him overflowing in our lives. And so encountering Jesus through the Holy Spirit's presence and power in our lives. Last week, we saw how we could encounter Jesus as our healer through both health and healing. We're encouraged to examine our lives, see if there were any obstacles. It's not something we always look at, but obstacles to our health and healing. Things like sin in our lives, plateauing, not growing in God as we should, and not being filled with the Spirit, so knowing his joy. Then we're invited to pray for and expect healing from our loving God and many of you came out for prayer there was a queue at the back and it's exciting because it means you're coming and you're acknowledging that God can do something so this week we come to the final picture of Jesus in the four square gospel we come today to encounter Jesus as the coming king the original fundamental truth says this We believe in the personal, physical and visible return of the Lord Jesus Christ to reign in power and glory. There are so many questions that surround the second coming of Jesus and I'm sure you've got your own. But there are some things that we can know for certain. 
We know that the second coming of Jesus is personal. He's not going to send an angel or an ambassador in his place. He's going to come personally. It will be visible in contrast to his first coming when he was born in a stable in the middle of nowhere. The second coming will be seen and heard. And his appearing will be physical. All these things can be seen in Acts 1 verses 10 and 11. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. And I imagined being the disciples there just watching like this, oblivious to anything else, and suddenly two men in white. And I can imagine there'd be quite large men stood beside them and, and said, Men of Galilee, why, why do you stand there looking into the sky? This same Jesus who was taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way. In the same way that you've seen him go into heaven. This same Jesus. So the man that they've come to know and love, this same Jesus, personal and physical, will come back like that. He'll come back in the same way that you've seen him go into heaven. It will be visible. Revelation 1.7 says, Look, he's coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. We don't understand it, but it's there. It'll happen. The return of Jesus to this earth will be to reign in power and glory. Matthew, uh, Mark 13. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Revelation 11, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ. He will reign forever. When? When will the second coming of Jesus happen? Well, let's see. We decided, Andy Lancaster and I, that it's a week next Thursday. Good day. (laughs) Jesus left. No doubt when answering this question regarding the timing of his return. In Mark 13, he says, no one knows about that day or hour. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on your guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. But this has not stopped hundreds or thousands of people, many Christians writing books, working out schedules, reading the signs of the times and making predictions of Jesus' return. So if ever you see on TV or hear on the radio, see a Christian book on the end times, read it on the internet or listen to the latest preacher declaring that they have it all worked out when Jesus will return, Well, then you can take their word for it, or you can take Jesus's and the Bible's declaration that no one knows. And that when Jesus returns, he will come like a thief in the night. People will not be expecting it. Jesus himself said, as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. In other words, before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. 
which is to say they were carrying on blissfully in the routines of life, largely unaware of any impending disaster. And this is what will happen when Jesus comes again. Peter, in one of his letters, also addresses this issue of timing. And I just love how he puts these things. Peter says, above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. And I'm sure you've had people say that to you. But they deliberately forget that long ago, God's word, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also, the world at that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing. While the, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's why he's tarrying. That's why he's waiting. He wants everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. That passage, you know, it says so many things. Read it for yourself. 2 Peter 3, verses 3 to 10. So what will it be like when Jesus comes again? Again, many years ago, speculation of the second coming of Jesus was rife and very vivid. I, I remember it quite well as a young Christian. And one of the things I remember was a little sketch that Bridge Street Youth used to do. We used to have evenings where we invited our friends along. And in, this was where there was a telephone on a table. And every so often through the evening, someone would go to the phone and dial a number. And the person on, would answer and say something like this, 777 Pearly Gates, the rapture line, can I help you? And the person would say, no, I'm just checking that you're still there. And they'd say, well, don't leave it too late. And so all through the evening, in between different things, the person would go to the phone and dial and the same thing would happen. And then at the end of the night, they'd ring and the phone would just ring and ring and ring. And it was too late. I thought it was really good. <laughs> Do you remember Larry Norman sang a song, I Wish We'd All Been Ready? And then there was a film, uh, The Thief in the Night, A Thief in the Night, it terrified generations of teenagers and young adults, including my own children when it came round the second time round. Everyone talked a lot about Jesus coming back soon. And it could be rather scary. And if you fast forward a couple of decades, you've got Tim LaHaye's very popular Left Behind series of books. I devoured them all in a really short period of time. 
along with Rick Joyner books, The Call and The Final Quest. There have been quite a few films, haven't there, released called Left Behind, Uh, the latest one being in 2014 with Nicolas Cage. I don't know if you've seen it. And of course, you've got also, you've got so many preachers and authors and bloggers and people calling themselves prophets who've mapped out in great detail the end times, the second coming of Christ, historical world events and their meaning and, yeah... I remember in the Peace Hall in Halifax uh, quite a few years ago now, a guy come in and he set up a tent and all around the tent were scrolls and he had dates and events and things that would be happening to show you the end times. There is so much discussion going on. What, what will happen when Jesus returns even? And if you delve into these things, you'll find discussions about the millennial reign of Christ. Such scriptures like Revelation 20. He sees the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. The rapture of believers, 1 Thessalonians 4. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then there's the tribulation and the Antichrist and the mark of the beast and there are so many things. And to be honestly, to be honest, nobody really, really knows. And it's it's not to be fearful, but it's to be faithful. And to know that there are things that are going to happen. Let me read a statement contained in a booklet called The Message. Elim's core beliefs. And it reads like this. Christians hold different views concerning what will happen before and when Jesus returns. A variety of end-time beliefs are adopted by Christians, many of which claim support from the Bible. Thus, one can be pre, post or amillennial, while the rapture may be assumed to occur pre, post or mid-tribulation. Or perhaps not at all. Much hinges on the interpretation of highly symbolic passages in Daniel and Revelation. We prefer to express with confidence that Jesus will return to this earth one day as king, while leaving room for different views about the events surrounding his return. There are core events which are not disputed such as Jesus is coming back. He is coming back, and it is a profound truth and a glorious hope. He will reign forever. There will be a final judgment of all people. There will be a new heaven and a new earth, and we will be with God forever. The very goodness of the original creation will be restored and redeemed to perfection. What is important is how should this influence us here and now? We can spend a lot of time in conjecture and second-guessing what is going to happen when Jesus returns, how he returns, when he returns. Eugene Peterson writes that we need the two poles of geography which is living in the here and now, and eschatology, 
which is looking forward to the future return of Christ. And he says that geography, without eschatology, becomes mere religious landscaping. And eschatology, without geography, degenerates into religious science fiction. That was quite an interesting description. We don't want to be so heavily minded or obsessed with the future that we're of no earthly use. Neither do we want to be so focused on the here and now that we lose all sense of perspective and view of eternity. And this is what, in essence, we see in Matthew 6. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wherever the coming of the king is spoken about, the end day, the coming of the Lord, the end times, however it is described, there is always the call to live a holy, godly, lovely, righteous, wholesome, healthy life in preparation for that day. And that is a witness to those around us. Here are some of the things that a healthy view of the end times and Jesus' coming, second coming, will will work in our life. Holiness. Peter encourages us in 2 Peter 3, Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. And John obviously agreed with that. He says in 1 John 3, Dear friends, now we are children of God and what will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears... We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. A right sense of Christ's return leads us towards purity and holy living. Christ is coming back to judge the living and the dead. We must be ready for that day of judgment. As I said, not in fear, but in faith. We're called to holiness. Another working out of a healthy view of the end times will be hospitality and love and service. And one of the explicit challenges to us in terms of the practical implications of Christ's coming is found in 1 Peter 4. And he says this, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, They should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ.
This future hope that we hold leads to present love and service and evangelism. We have something to tell others. Let me share you this with you. Um, not this week, the week before, one of our staff in our coffee shop was on holiday. How dare she? Holidays. And there was only me to fill in. So I had to work four days in the shop. I haven't done that for a long time. And on the Thursday, the staff got talking about the ridiculous cost of funerals. Now, these are youngsters. They're not my age. You know, the 20s and 30s. And they're saying, what a ridiculous cost funeral. My daughter, 29, said, Mum, if I go before you, I want you to take me out to sea and throw me overboard. <laughs> Don't be paying those silly amounts of money. And then one of the other girls said, uh, yeah, have you thought? We sleep, we get up and we eat and we go to work and we eat and we go back to bed. We get up and eat, so then we die. That's it. What's it all about? Well, she looked at me and I just smiled and uh, said, yeah, but it's different if you know God. So she said, so do you believe that there's something when you die? Like heaven? Yeah. And hell? Yeah. Did you always believe that? No. So I was able to share a little of my testimony and beliefs before she went back to work. And it's not the first time she's asked. She, there's just little bits sometimes when I work. Yeah, but do you, what do you think about this? You know, you never know. Be ready. People are still curious. They need what we have. And then there's hope. And of course, that girl that I just mentioned there does not yet have hope. Hope of a future. So further and final important implication of this teaching is real hope in the midst of life in general, in the midst of pain and suffering, of loss and bereavement. Romans 8 says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, we have the first fruits of the Spirit. We who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for an adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. And then following the second coming of Christ, Revelation 21 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Whoa. I came across this description from Andrew Wilson. It's an adaptation of 1 Corinthians 15. And I just love the way he describes this. A trumpet sounds and the dead are raised in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, never to perish again. Physical bodies become incorruptible, spiritual, glorious, powerful, no sickness or affliction will ever befall them again. Cholera and cancer are consigned to the cosmic skip for eternity. Operating theatres, doctors 
ambulances and health secretaries become a thing of the past. Nobody cries except with joy. Nobody grieves. The sterile smell of the emergency department corridor is no more. The octogenarians who sit walnut-faced under blankets in wheelchairs in hospital reception areas are given a new life and a new youth that will never again be stolen by the long march of time. Every deaf ear is unblocked. Every damaged limb is made whole. Every blind eye sees. Autism and Down syndrome and schizophrenia and Alzheimer's are swallowed up in victory. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. This, this is our present and real hope of every believer. The world is not our home. This body of ours is compared to a tent. And I hate camping, so I am so glad it is not our permanent home. <laughs> Heaven is our home. Eternity awaits us. And we're to comfort each other with these words. We have an eternal hope and home in heaven. The Bible calls us to set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. When we face trials and sickness and death and loss and bereavement, go through trying times, we groan with the rest of creation, awaiting the second coming of Christ, a new heaven, a new earth, and glorious bodies. We don't talk much about Jesus coming back these days, but he is, and he will. We know it. Because we have eternity in our hearts. The memorial acclamation states this, doesn't it? Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. And Jesus at the end of this, the Bible, Revelation 22, says, Yes, I am coming. So how can we encounter Jesus through learning that he is the coming king? Accept the truth of it. Be ready. If you don't know Christ today, the ushers, they've got booklets for you. If you want to know Christ, if you don't have this hope that we're talking about, if you can't say, I'm going to be in heaven, I'm going to be with Jesus, I'm going to be renewed, then put your hand up now and just receive a booklet that will give you some help towards knowing Christ as the coming King. They're just walking amongst you. Just put your hands up and they'll, they'll just put one in your hand as you're ready. But if you're a believer, but haven't really considered that the king is coming and feel that you haven't been living the life that is expected of you, then let's deal with it today, now, here. Don't let it go on any longer. If you want prayer and support, you can come to the front afterwards. You can go to the back of the auditorium. Receive what you need. Receive prayer. Start again. You might feel an absolute failure today. What am I doing? So you might need to repent. That's what we're here for. Why come to church if it's not to change? 
If it's not to become more like Jesus, today could be a new start for you. So we're going to worship. The ushers are still around with these booklets. We're going to worship, share communion together. Make this a time of encounter. This is a time, a time to realise that Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? Are we ready?